Section 39 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the several modes and characteristics of street cleansing. We come here to the practical part of this complex subject. We have ascertained the length of the streets of London. We have estimated the amount of daily, weekly and yearly traffic calculated the quantity of mud, dung, mac, dust, and surface water formed and collected annually throughout the metropolis. We have endeavoured to arrive at some notion as to the injury done by all this vast amount of filth, owing to what the Board of Health has termed imperfect scavenging, and we now come to treat of the means by which the loads of street refuse, the loads of dust, loads of mac and mud, and the tons of dung, are severally and collectively removed throughout the year. There are two distinct, and in a measure diametrically opposed, methods of street cleansing at present in operation. One, that which consists in cleaning the streets when dirtied. Two, that which consists in cleaning them and keeping them clean. These modes of scavenging may not appear, to those who have paid but little attention to the matter, to be very widely different means of effecting the same object. The one, however, removes the refuse from the streets, sooner or later, after it has been formed, whereas the other removes it as fast as it is formed. By the latter method, the streets are never allowed to get dirty. By the former, they must be dirty before they are cleansed. The plan of street cleansing before dirtied or the pre-scavenging system, is of recent introduction, being the mode adopted by the street orderlies. That of cleansing after having dirtied, or the post-scavenging system, is, so far as the more general or common method is concerned, the same as that pursued two centuries ago. I shall speak of each of these modes in due course, beginning with that last mentioned. By the ordinary method of scavenging, the dirt is still swept or scraped to one side of the public way, then shoveled into a cart and conveyed to the place of deposit. In wet weather, the dirt swept or scraped to one side is so liquefied that it is known as slop and is lifted into the cart in shovels hollowed like sugar spoons. The only change of which I have heard in this mode of scavenging was in one of the tools, until about nine years ago, birch, or occasionally heather, brooms or besoms, were used by the street sweepers, but they soon became clogged in dirty weather, and then, as one working scavenger explained it to me, they scattered and drove the dirt to the sides, instead of making it go right ahead as you want it. The material now used for the street sweeper's broom is known as bass, and consists of the stems or branches of a New Zealand plant a substance which has considerable strength and elasticity of fibre, and both sweeps and scrapes in the process of scavenging. The broom itself, too, is differently constructed, having divisions between the several insertions of bass in the wooden block of the head, so that clogging is less frequent and cleaning easier, whereas the birch broom consisted of a close mass of twigs, and thus scattered while it swept the dirt. There was, of course, some outcry on the part of the established order of things, gentry, among scavengers, against the innovation, but it is now general. 
as all the scavengers, no matter how they vary in other respects, work with the brooms described, this one mention of the change will suffice. No doubt the cleansing of the streets is accomplished with greater efficiency and with greater celerity than it was, but the mere process of manual toil is little altered. In a work like the present, however, we have more particularly to deal with the labourers engaged, and viewing the subject in this light, we may arrange the several modes of street cleansing into the four following divisions. 1. By paid manual labourers, or men employed by the contractors, and paid in the ordinary ways of wages. 2. By paid machine labourers, differing from the first only or mainly in the means by which they attain their end. 3. By pauper labourers, or men employed by the parishes in which they are set to work, and either paid in money or in food, or maintained in the workhouses. 4. By street orderlies, or men employed by philanthropists, a body of workmen with particular regulations, and more organised than other scavengers. By one or other of these modes of scavengery, all the public ways of the metropolis are cleansed, and the subject is most peculiar as including within itself all the several varieties of labour, if we accept that of women and children, namely manual labour, mechanical labour, pauper labour, and philanthropic labour. By these several varieties of labour, the highways and byways of the entire metropolis are cleansed, with one exception, the muse, concerning which a few words here may not be out of place. All these localities, whether they be what are styled private or gentlemen's mews or public mews, where stables, coach-houses and dwelling-rooms above them may be taken by any one, a good many of such places being moreover public or partial thoroughfares, or whether they be job-masters or cab-proprietors' mews, are scavenged by the occupants, for the manure is valuable. The mews of London indeed constitute a world of their own, they are tenanted by one class, coachmen and grooms, with their wives and families, men who are devoted to one pursuit, the care of horses and carriages, who live and associate one among another, whose talk is of horses, with something about masters and mistresses, as if to ride or to drive were the great ends of human existence, and to thus live as much together as the Jews in their compulsory quarters in Rome, the mews are also the chambers of unemployed coachmen and grooms, and I am told that the very sicknesses known in such places have their own peculiarities. These, however, form matter for future inquiry. Concerning the private scavenging of the Metropolitan Mews, the Medical Times of July 26, 1851, contains a letter from Mr. C. Cochrane, in which that gentleman says, quote, it will be found that in all the mews throughout the metropolis, the manure produced from each stable is packed up in a separate stack until there is sufficient for a load for some market gardener or farmer to remove. The groom or stableman makes an arrangement or agreement, as it is called, with the market gardener to remove it at his convenience, and a gratuity of one shilling or one shilling sixpence per load is usually presented to the stableman. In some places there are dung pits containing the collectings of a fortnight's dung, which, when disturbed for removal, casts out an offensive effluvium as sickening as it is disgusting to the whole neighbourhood. 
in consequence of the arrangement in question if a third party wished to buy some of this manure he could not get it and if he wished to get rid of any by giving it away the stableman would not receive it as it would not be removed sufficiently quick by the farmer the result is that whilst the air is rendered offensive and insalubrious manure becomes difficult to be removed or disposed of and frequently is washed away into the sewer of this manure there are always at a moderate computation remaining daily in the mews and stable yards of the metropolis at least two thousand cartloads to remedy these evils i would suggest that a brief act of parliament should be passed giving municipal and parochial authorities the same complete control over the manure as they have over the ashes with the provision that owners should have the right of removing it themselves for their own use but if they did not do so daily then the control to return to the above authorities who should have the right of selling it and placing the proceeds in the parish funds by this simple means immense quantities of valuable manure would be saved for the purposes of agriculture food would be rendered cheaper and more abundant more people would be employed whilst the metropolis would be rendered clean sweet and healthy end quote. I may dismiss this part of the subject with the remark that I was informed that the Mews manure was in regular demand and of ready sale, being removed by the market gardeners with greater facility than canned street dirt, which the contractors with the parishes prefer to vend by the barge load. Having enumerated the four several modes of street cleansing, I will now proceed to point out briefly the characteristics of each class of cleansing. This will also denote the quality of the employers and the nature of the employment. 1. The paid manual labourers constitute the bulk of those engaged in scavenging, and the chief paymasters are the contractors. Many of these labourers consider themselves the only regular hands, having been brought up to the business. But unemployed or destitute labourers or mechanics or reduced tradesmen will often endeavour to obtain employment in street sweeping. This is the necessary evil of all unskilled labour, for since everyone can do it, without previous apprenticeship, it follows that the beaten-out artisans or discarded trade assistants, beggared tradesmen or reduced gentlemen, must necessarily resort to it as their only means of independent support, and hence the reason why dock labour and street labour and indeed all the several forms of unskilled work have a tendency to be overstocked with hands the unskilled occupations being as it were the sink for all the refuse skilled labour and beggared industry of the country the contractors like other employers are separated by their men into two classes such as in more refined callings are often designated the honourable and dishonourable traders according as they pay or do not pay what is reputed fair wages. I cannot say that I heard any especial appellation given by the working scavengers to the better-paying class of employers, unless it were the expressive style of goodons. The inferior-paying class, however, are very generally known among their workpeople as scurfs. 2. The street-sweeping machine labourers of the men employed as attendant scavengers, for so they may be termed in connection with these mechanical and vehicular street sweepers, little need here be said, for they are generally of the class of ordinary scavengers. 
It may, however, be necessary to explain that each of those machines must have the street refuse, for the lick-in of the machine, swept into a straight line wherever there is the slightest slope at the sides of a street towards the footpath. The same, too, must sometimes be done if the pavement be at all broken, even when the progress of the machine is, what I heard, not very appropriately termed, plain sailing. Sometimes, also, men follow the course of the street-sweeping machine to sweep up any dirt missed or scattered, as the vehicle proceeds on a straightforward course, for at all to diverge would be to make the labour, where the machine alone is used, almost double. 3. The pauper, or parish-employed scavengers, present characteristics peculiarly their own, as regards open-air labour in London. They are employed less to cleanse the streets than to prevent their being chargeable to the poor's rate as outdoor recipients or as inmates of the workhouses. When paid, they receive a lower amount of wages than any other scavengers, and they are sometimes paid in food as well as in money. While a difference may be made between the wages of the married and of the unmarried men, and even between the married men who have and have not children, some, again, are employed in scavenging without any money receipt, their maintenance in the workhouse being considered a sufficient return for the fruits of their toil. Some of these men are feeble, some are unskilful, even in tasks in which skill is but little of an element, and most of them are dissatisfied workmen. Their ranks comprise, or may comprise, men who have filled very different situations in life. It is mentioned in the second edition of one of the publications of the National Philanthropic Association, Sanitary Progress, 1850, that the once high-salaried cashier of a West End bank died lately in St Pancras Workhouse, that the architect of several of the most fashionable West End clubhouses is now an inmate of St James's Workhouse, and that the architect of St Pancras New Church lately died in a back garret in Somerstown. These recent instances, a few out of many, says the writer, prove that wealth has wings, and that genius and industry have but leaden feet, when overtaken by adversity. A late number of the Globe newspaper states that, among the police constables on the Great Western Railway, there are at present eight members of the Royal College of Surgeons and three solicitors, and the Limerick Examiner, a few weeks ago, announced the fact that a gentlewoman is now an inmate of the workhouse of that city, whose husband, a few years ago, filled the office of High Sheriff of the county. I do not know that either the cashier or the architect in the two workhouses in question was employed as a street sweeper. The second class, then, are situated differently to the paid street sweepers, or number one of the present division who may be considered more or less independent or self-supporting labourers, while the paupers are, of course, dependent. 4. The street orderlies. These men present another distinct body. They are not merely in the employment, but many of them are under the care of the National Philanthropic Association, which was founded by and is now under the presidency of Mr Cochrane. The objects of this society, as far as regards the street orderly's existence as a class of scavengers, are sufficiently indicated in its title, which declares it to be for the promotion of street cleanliness and the employment of the poor. 
so that able-bodied men may be prevented from burdening the parish rates and preserved independent of workhouse alms and degradation, supported by the contributions of the benevolent. The street orderlies, men and boys, are paid a fixed weekly wage, a certain sum being stopped from those single men who reside in houses rented for them by the association, where their meals, washing and so on are provided. Among them are men of many callings, and some educated and accomplished persons. The system of street orderlyism is moreover distinguished by one attribute unknown to any other mode. It is an effort, preserved in, despite of many hindrances and difficulties, to amend our street scavengery, indeed to reform it altogether, so that dust and dirt may be checked in their very origination. The corporation, if I may so describe it, of the street orderlies, presents characteristics again varying from the other orders of what can only be looked upon either as the self-supporting or pauper workers. These, then, are the several modes or methods of street scavengery, and they show the following. Classes of street sweeping employers. 1. Traders, who undertake contracts for the scavengery as a speculation. Under this denomination may be classed the contractors with parishes, districts, boards, liberties, divisions and subdivisions of parishes, markets and so on. 2. Parishes, who employ the men as a matter of parochial policy, with a view to the reduction of the rates, and with little regard to the men. 3. Philanthropists, who seek more particularly to benefit the men whom they employ, while they strive to promote the public good by increasing public cleanliness and order. Under the head of traders are the contractors with the parishes and so on, and the proprietors of the sweeping machines, who are in the same capacity as their regular contractors, respecting their dealings with labourers, but who substitute mechanical for manual operations. Of these several classes of masters engaged in the scavengery of the metropolis, I have much to say, and for the clearer saying of it, I shall treat each of the several varieties of labour separately. Of the contractors for scavengery. The scavenging of the streets of the metropolis is performed directly or indirectly by the authorities of the several parishes without the city, who have the power to levy rates for the cleansing of the various districts. Within the city, however, the office is executed under the direction of the Court of Sewers. When the cleansing of the streets is performed indirectly by either the parochial or civic authorities, it is effected by contractors, that is to say, by traders who undertake for a certain sum to remove the street refuse at stated intervals and under express conditions, and who employ paid servants to execute the work for them. When it is performed directly, the authorities employ labourers, generally from the workhouse, and usually enter into an agreement with some contractor for the use of his carts and appliances, together with the right to deposit in his wharf or yard the refuse removed from the streets. I shall treat first of the indirect mode of scavenging, that is to say, of cleansing the streets by contract, beginning with the contractors, setting forth as near as possible the receipts and expenditure in connection with the trade, and then proceeding in due order to treat of the labourers employed by them in the performance of the task. Some of the contractors agree with the parochial or district authorities to remove the dust from the house bins as well as the dirt from the streets, 
under one and the same contract. Some undertake to execute these two offices under separate contracts, and some to perform only one of them. It is most customary, however, for the same contractor to serve the parish, especially the larger parishes, in both capacities. There is no established or legally required form of agreement between a contractor and his principals. It is a bargain in which each side strives to get the best of it, but in which the parish representatives have often to contend against something looking like a monopoly, a very common occurrence in our day when capitalists choose to combine, which is legal, or unnoticed, but very heinous on the part of the working men, whose capital is only in their strength or skill. One contractor, on being questioned by a gentleman officially connected with a large district as to the existence of combination, laughed at such a notion, but said there might be a sort of understanding, one among another, as among people who must look to their own interests and see which way the cat jumped, concluding with the undeniable assertion that no man ought reasonably to be expected to ruin himself for a parish. There does not appear, however, to have been any countervailing qualities on the part of the parishes to this understanding among the contractors, for some of the authorities have found themselves, when a new or a renewed contract was in question, suddenly on the other side of the hedge. Thus, in the south-west district of St Pancras, the contractor five or six years ago paid £100 per annum for the removal and possession of the street dirt and so on, but the following year the district authorities had to pay him £500 for the same labour and with the same privileges. Other changes took place, and in 1848-49 to 49, a contractor again paid the district £95. I have shown too that in Shadwell the dust contractor now receives £450 per annum, whereas he formerly paid £240. To prove, however, that a spirit of combination does occasionally exist among these contractors, I may cite the following minute from one of the parish books. Extract from Minute Book, November 7th, 1839. Letter C, Folio 437. Commissioner's Office, 30 Howland Street, November 7th, 1839. Report of the Paving Committee to the General Board relating to the watering the district for the past year. Your committee beg leave to report that for the past three years the sums paid by contract for watering were respectively for 1836 £230, for 1837 £220, for 1838 £200. That in the month of February in the present year the board advertised in the usual manner for tenders to water the district when the following were received, namely Mr. Dark, three hundred and fifteen pounds mr gore three hundred and eighteen pounds mr nichols three hundred and twelve pounds mr starkey two hundred and eighty five pounds which was the lowest your committee anxious to prevent any increase in the watering rate from being levied and considering the amount required by the contractors for this service as excessive and exorbitant and even evincing a spirit of combination resolved to make an inroad upon this system and after much trouble and attention, adopted other measures for watering the districts, the results of which they have great pleasure in presenting to the board, by which it will be seen that a saving over the very lowest of the above tenders of £102.3 has been effected, 
the sum of eighteen pounds eighteen shillings has been paid for pauper labour at the same time your committee regret that notwithstanding the efforts of themselves and their officers the state of insubordination and insult of most of the paupers in spite of all encouragement to industry was such that the committee on the twelfth of july last were reluctantly compelled to discontinue their services the committee cannot but congratulate the board upon the result of their experiment which will have the effect of breaking up a spirit of combination highly dangerous to the community at large at the same time that their labours have caused a very considerable saving to the ratepayers and they trust the work considering all the numerous disadvantages under which they have laboured has been performed in a satisfactory manner p cunningham surveyor thirty howland street fitzroy square the following regulations sufficiently show the nature of the agreements made between the contractors and the authorities as to the cleansing of the more important thoroughfares especially it will be seen that in the regulations i quote every street court or alley must now be swept daily a practice which has only been adopted within these few years in the city sewers office guildhall london rakers duties midsummer eighteen fifty one to midsummer eighteen fifty two note the reader will remember that in the historical sketch given of the progress of public scavengery the word rakers occurred in connection with the sworn master scavengers and so on and so on the word is now unknown to the trade except that it appears on city documents End note. cleansing the whole surface of every carriageway court and alley shall be swept every day sundays excepted and all mud dust filth and rubbish all frozen or partially frozen matter and snow animal and vegetable matter and everything offensive or injurious shall be properly pecked scraped swept up and carted away therefrom and the iron gutters laid across or along the footways the air grates over the sewers the gully grates in the carriageway of the streets respectively and all public urinals are to be daily raked out swept and made clean and clear from all obstructions and the contractor or contractors shall in time of frost continually keep the channels in the streets and places clear for water to run off and cleanse and cart away refuse refuse hogan or gravel when called upon by the inspector to do so from all streets newly paved the mud and dirt and so on is to be carted away immediately that it is swept up n b the inspector of the district may at any time he may think it necessary order any street or place to be cleansed and swept a second time in any one day and the contractor or contractors are thereupon bound to do the same the markets and their approaches are also to be thus cleansed daily and the approaches thereto respectively are also to be thus cleansed at such an hour in the night of saturday in each week as the inspector of the district may direct every street lane square yard court alley passage and place except certain main streets hereinafter enumerated are to be thus cleansed within the following hours daily namely in the months of april may june july august and september to be begun not earlier than four o'clock in the morning and finished not later than one o'clock in the afternoon in the months of october november december january february and march to be begun not earlier than five o'clock in the morning and finished not later than two o'clock in the afternoon 
The following main streets are to be cleansed daily throughout the year, except Sundays, to be begun not earlier than four o'clock in the morning and finished not later than nine o'clock in the morning. Fleet Street, Ludgate Hill and Street, St. Paul's Churchyard, Cheapside, Newgate Street, Poultry, Watling Street, Budge Row and Cannon Street, Mansion House Street, Cornhill, Leadenhall Street, Aldgate Street and Aldgate, King William Street and London Bridge, Fenchurch Street, Holborn, Holborn Bridge, Skinner Street, Old Bailey, Lombard Street, New Bridge Street, Farringdon Street, Aldersgate Street, St. Martin Le Grand, Princes Street, Moorgate Street, the street called the Pavement, Finsbury Place South, Grace Church Street, Bishopsgate Street within and without, the Minories, Wood Street, Gresham Street, Coleman Street. NB. In times of frost and snow, these hours of executing the work may be extended at the discretion of the local commissioners. The other conditions relate to the removal of the dust from the houses, a subject I have already treated, and specify the fines, varying from a pound to five pounds, to be paid by the contractors for the violation or neglect of any of the provisions of the contract. It is further required that each foreman, sweeper and dustman in the employ of either of the contractors, of whom there are four, Messrs. Sinnott, Rook, Redden and Gold, will be required to wear a badge on the arm with these words thereon, London Sewers Number Blank Guildhall, by which means any one having cause of complaint against any of the men in the performance of their several duties may, by taking down the number of the man and applying at the Sewers Office Guildhall, have reference to his name and employer. Any man working without his badge for each day he offends, the contractor is liable to the penalty of five shillings. All the sweepings of the streets and all the dust and ashes from the houses are to be entirely carted away from the City of London on a penalty of ten pounds for each cartload. These terms sufficiently show the general nature of the contracts in question the principal difference being that in some parts the contractor is not required to sweep the streets more than once, twice or thrice a week in ordinary weather. The number of individuals in London styling themselves master scavengers is 34. Of these, 10 are at present without a contract either for dust or scavenging, and 5 have a contract for removing the dust only, so that deducting these two numbers the gross number 34 is reduced to 19 scavenging contractors. Of the latter number, 16 are in a large way of business, having large yards, possessing several carts and some wagons, and employing a vast number of men daily in sweeping the streets, carting rubbish, and so on. The other three masters, however, are only in a small way of business, being persons of more limited means. A large master scavenger employs from 3 to 18 carts, and from 18 to upwards of 40 men at scavengery alone, while a small master employs only from 1 to 3 carts and from 3 to 6 men. By the table I have given, page 186, volume 2, it is shown that there are 52 contracts between the several district authorities and master scavengers and 19 contractors without counting members of the same family as distinct individuals. This gives an average of nearly three distinct contracts per individual. The contracts are usually for a 12-month. 
Although the table above referred to shows but 19 contractors for public scavenging, there are, as I have said, more, or about 24 in London, most of them in a large way, and next year some of those who have no contracts at present may enter into agreements with the parishes. The smallness of this number, when we consider the vast extent of the metropolis, confirms the notion of the sort of monopoly and combination to which I have alluded. In the Post Office Directory for 1851, there are no names under the heads of scavengers or dustmen, but under the head of rubbish carters, 28 are given, nine names being marked as dust contractors and ten as nightmen. Of large contractors, however, there are, as I have said, about 24, but they may not all obtain contracts every year, and in this number are included different members of the same family or firm, who may undertake specific contracts, although in the trade it is looked upon as one concern. The smaller contractors were represented to me as rather more numerous than the others, and perhaps numbered 40, but it is not easy to define what is to be accounted a contractor. In the table given, in pages 213 and 214, I cite only seven as being the better known. The others may be considered as small rubbish carters and flying dustmen. There are yet other transactions in which the contractors are engaged with the parishes, independently of their undertaking the whole labour of street and house cleansing. In the parishes where pauper or poor labour is resorted to, for it is not always that the men employed by the parishes are positive paupers, but rather the unemployed poor of the parish. In such parishes, I say, an agreement is entered into with a contractor for the deposit of the collected street dirt at his yard or wharf. For such deposit the contractor must of course be paid, as it is really an occupation, and renting of a portion of his premises for a specific purpose. The street dirt, however, is usually left to the disposal of the contractor for his own profit, and where he once paid £50 for the possession of the street-collected dirt of a parish, collected by labour which was no cost to him, he may now receive half of such £50, or whatever the terms of the agreement may be. I heard of one contractor who lately received £25, where he once paid £50. In another way, too, contractors are employed by parishes. Where pauper or poor labour in street cleansing is the practice, a contractor's horses, carts and cart drivers are hired for the conveyance of the dirt from the streets. This, of course, is for a specific payment, and is in reality the work of the tradesmen who in the post office directory are described as rubbish carters, and of whom I shall have to speak afterwards. Some parishes or paving boards have, however, their own horses and vehicles, but in the other respects they have dealings with the contractors. To come to as correct a conclusion as possible in this complicated and involved matter, I have obtained the aid of some gentlemen long familiar with such procedures. One of them said that to procure the accounts of such transactions for a series of years, with all their chops and changes, or to obtain a perfectly precise return for any three years, affecting the whole metropolis, would be the work of a parliamentary commission with full powers to send for papers, and so on, and so on, and that even then the result might not be satisfactory as a clear exposition. However, with the aid of the gentleman alluded to, I venture upon the following approximation. 
As my present inquiry relates only to the scavenging contractors in the metropolis, I will take the number of districts, markets, and so on, which are specified in the table, page 186, volume 2. These are 83 in number, of which 29 are shown to be scavenged by the parish. I will not involve in this computation any of the more rural places, which may happen to be in the outskirts of the metropolitan area, but I will take the contracts as 54, where the contractors do the entire work, and as 29, where they are but the rubbish carters and dirt receivers of the parishes. I am assured that it is a fair calculation that the scavengery of the streets, apart from the removal of the dust from the houses, costs in payments to the contractors £150 as an average to each of the several 54 districts, and that in the 29 localities in which the streets are cleansed by parish labour, the sum paid is at the rate of £50 per locality, some of them, as the five districts of Marylebone, for instance, being very large. This is calculated regardless of the cases where parishes may have their own horses and vehicles, for the cost to the ratepayers may not be very materially different, between paying for the hire of carts and horses and investing capital in their purchase and incurring the expense of wear and tear. The account then stands thus. Parish payment on 54 contracts, £150 each, £8,100. Parish payment on 29 contracts, £50 each, £1,450. Yearly total sum paid for scavenging of the metropolis, £9,550. Or apportioned among 19 contractors, upwards of £500 each, and among 83 contracts, about £115 per contract. Even if other contractors are employed where parish labour is pursued, the cost to the ratepayers is the same. This calculation is made as far as possible as regards scavengery alone, and is independent of the value of the refuse collected. It is about the scavengery that the grand fight takes place between the parishes and contractors, the house dust being uninjured by rain or street surface water, is more available for trade purposes. From this, it would appear that the cost of cleansing the streets of London may be estimated in round numbers at £10,000 per annum. The next point in the inquiry is, what is the value of the street dirt annually collected? The price I have adduced for the dirt gained from the streets is three shillings per load, which is a very reasonable average. If the load be dung, or even chiefly dung, it is worth five shillings or six shillings. With the proportion of dung and street refuse to be found in such a thoroughfare as the Haymarket, in dry or comparatively dry weather, a load weighing about a ton is worth about three shillings in the purchaser's own cart. On the other hand, as I have shown that quantities of mixed or slop mac have to be wasted, that some is sold at a nominal price, and a good deal at one shilling the load, three shillings is certainly a fair average. Thus the annual sum of the street dirt, as regards the quantity collected by the contracting scavengers, as shown in the table given at page 186, is in round numbers 89,000 cartloads. That collected by parish labour, with or without the aid of the street sweeping machines, at 52,000 cartloads, or a total, I do not include what is collected by the orderlies, 
of 141,000 loads. This result shows, then, that the contractors yearly collect by scavenging the streets with their own paid labourers, and receive as the produce of pauper labour as follows. By contractors, 89,000 loads of street dirt, 3 shillings per load, total £13,350. By parishes, 52,000 loads of street dirt, 3 shillings per load, total £7,800. Total, 141,000 loads of street dirt, total amount, £21,150, or a value of rather more than £1,113, as the return to each individual contractor in the table, or about £255 as the average on each contract. As, however, the whole of the parish collected manure does not come into the hands of the contractors, it will be fair, I am assured, to compute the total at £19,000 a sum of £1,000 to each contractor, or nearly £229 on each contract. It would appear, then, that the total receipts of the contractors for the scavenging of London amount to very nearly £30,000, that is to say, £10,000 as remuneration for the office, and £20,000 as the value of the dirt collected. But against this sum as received, we have to set the gross expense of wages paid to men, wear and tear of carts and appliances, rent of wharfs, interest for money, and so on. Concerning the amount paid in wages, it appears by the table at pages 186 and 187 that the men employed by the scavenging contractors in wet weather are 260 daily, being nearly half of the whole force of 531 men the orderlies excepted. In dry weather, however, there are only 194 men employed. I will therefore calculate upon 194 men employed daily, and 66 employed half the year, making the total of 260. By the table here given, it will be seen that the total number of scavengers employed by the large and small contractors is 275. 194 men for 12 months, at 16 shillings weekly wage, yearly £8,070, 8 shillings. 66 men for 6 months, at a weekly wage of 16 shillings, yearly £1,372, 16 shillings. Total, £9,443, 4 shillings. Note, I have computed all the weekly wages at 16 shillings, though some of the men are paid only 14 shillings. My object in this is to give the contractors the benefit of the difference. End note. There remains now to show the amount of capital which a large contractor must embark in his business. I include the amount of rent and the expenditure on what must be provided for business purposes and which is subject to wear and tear, to decay and loss. There are not now, I am told, more than 12 scavengers' wharfs and 20 yards, the wharf being also a yard, in the possession of the contractors in regular work. These are the larger contractors, and their capital, I am assured, may be thus estimated. Capital of the master scavengers. 179 carts, £21 each, £3,759. Three wagons, £32 each, £96. 
230 horses, 25 pounds each, 5,750 pounds. 230 sets of harness, 2 pounds each, 460 pounds. 600 brooms, 9 pence each, 22 pounds 10 shillings. 300 shovels, 1 shilling each, 15 pounds. 100 barges, 50 pounds each, 5,000 pounds. Total, 15,102 pounds and 10 shillings. I have estimated according to what may be the present value, not the original cost, of the implements, vehicles and so on. A broom, when new, costs one shilling tuppence and is worn out in two or three weeks. A shovel, when new, costs two shillings. The following appears to be the yearly expenditure of the master scavengers. Wages to working scavengers, as before shown, £9,443. Wages to 48 bargemen engaged in unloading the vessels with street dirt, four men to each of 12 wharfs at 16 shillings weekly wage, £1,996. Keep of 300 horses, £26 each, £7,800. Wear and tear, say 15% on capital, £2,250. Rent of 20 wharfs and yards, average £100 each, £2,000. Interest on £15,000 capital at 10%, £1,500. Total, £24,989. I have endeavoured in this estimate to confine myself as much as possible to the separate subject of scavengery, but it must be borne in mind that as the large contractors are dustmen as well as scavengers, the great charges for rent and barges cannot be considered as incurred solely on account of the street dirt trade. Including then the payments from parishes, the account will stand thus. Yearly receipts of master scavengers. From parishes, £9,450. From manure and so on, £19,000. Total income, £28,450. Deduct yearly expenditure, £25,000. Profit, £3,450. This gives a profit of nearly £182 to each contractor, if equally apportioned, or a little more than £41 on each contract for street scavenging alone, and a profit no doubt affected by circumstances which cannot very well be reduced to figures. The profit may appear small, but it should be remembered that it is independent of the profits on the dust. End of section 39